Hey, how's it going, everyone? You found your way into Life versus Work here on localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. On Life versus Work, we examine the delicate balance between work itself and the various aspects of our lives that play a role, whether it be mentally, physically, or even spiritually. And that is the impetus for our show today in looking at faith and religion in the workplace. As with being such a diverse country, those in the workforce not only have differing personalities and cultures, but they also have a variety of practices and beliefs when it comes to their spiritual lives. To help us maneuver through this often sensitive subject, we have Joyce Dubensky joining us from New York. Joyce is the CEO of the Tannenbaum Center for Interreligious Understanding. Joyce, thanks for coming on today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you. First of all, to give people an idea of of what exactly your organization does and where you're coming from, if you could describe a little bit about um, what you do in relation to religion itself and also the workplace and some of the, the, the areas you cover. Well, Tannenbaum, and I think it's important to note, is a secular organization. We're non-sectarian. We don't promote religion uh, or ever denigrate it, but really recognize it as a force that affects people's lives. And often religious beliefs and non-religious beliefs come into conflict in different ways in the workplace and other places. And our goal is to find some practical solutions to combating those religious conflicts, prejudice, hatred, and the difficulties that emerge as a result. I guess in our work with global companies, we often work with Fortune 500 companies, we have two approaches. One is to help them when they have a problem, mm-hmm. resolve it, and the other is to proactively get ahead of the curve so that they can minimize future conflicts and improve their bottom line. In general, then, I mean, how often do you deal with the idea of, you know, faith-based or religious aspects of the workplace? And, you know, you mentioned also the idea it's it's not just about people who are religious, but maybe those who are not. I mean, it, it, we all work together in some capacity. And, you know, this could be personally that you've been involved in or, or speaking with these organizations that you've mentioned. Oh, well, I, it, it's really a daily occurrence. I mean, we've been doing this for over 15 years. We work with over 100 companies uh, directly. Uh, and, of course, that means we're impacting um, thousands and thousands of employees and their customers. It's becoming a major issue that companies are beginning to recognize. There's a growing concern, I think, among some of the leading um, companies and um, those who are recognized for managing the diversity of their employees and their customers Mm -hmm. globally. With excellence. Are there other are there particular reasons then why? I mean, you you mentioned it's it's becoming a major concern. So it's it's obviously more at the forefront than it has mm-hmm. been in past years. I mean, are there particular reasons that this happens, or or why it's becoming more of an issue? Well, I think it's really always been an issue, but uh-huh. it wasn't always recognized. I mean, we did a benchmarking survey in the late nineties, and two thirds of the employees. Uh, surveyed said that they had witnessed some form of uh, religious challenge for people, employees in their workplace, some form of, you know, difficulty. When we did a parallel survey a few years later with human resources professionals, they didn't think Hmm. it was an issue in the workplace. They didn't see it nearly as uh, powerful. But that is changing, and there really is much more buzz. And I think there are a couple of reasons for that. One is that 
the demographics, the, the immigration and the migration trends around the world are changing. In the U.S. alone from 1970 and in the 40 years later, we have more than tripled the number of people in our country who are foreign-born. That means we have, where it used to be less than 5% of the people being foreign-born, we're now inching up to 15% okay. of the people in our country sure. being foreign-born. And that means that people are bringing different beliefs with them. We also, of course, have had 9-11 and growing anti-Muslim sentiment in this country and tensions worldwide. It's become a political issue. And we've seen an increase in the complaints, uh, the legal complaints at the EEOC the um, religious discrimination complaints are actually the fastest rising area uh, in which complaints are being uh, made. And those would be complaints from employees stating that they're having some sort of issue or challenge? That is correct. And that's why uh, companies are beginning to address this and see it more and more as an issue. And among the uh, top 50 um, companies in, you know, noted by Diversity, Inc., we find that the leaders are really changing their policies and practices to begin to address this issue because they know it's important and they're seeing it as something to be addressed. What then do you see as maybe the biggest challenges in terms of you know, employers or employees in, in many respects as far as being respectful to different individuals or different groups that have these, these differing faiths? I mean, what really are the, the issues and the challenges that are, are faced here? Well, I think the biggest challenge for employers is what I'd call, you know, I I guess I'd call the blinders mm -hmm. syndrome. You put on blinders, you don't look. You pre, you know, you just believe, you know, pretend that people leave religion uh, at the door before they walk in to the workplace. But it isn't true. People bring them themselves to work. You know, I mean, I often say in, if I do a training that, uh, you know, every day I walk into work and I happen to be white and I happen to be of the Jewish faith, and and I happen to be short, <laughs> and you know that that's all of me right. every day. Now, what's salient in any particular moment may change, but religion is a real issue in the workplace, and for employers, the blinder syndrome is significant. Not only because if they don't pay attention, it can hurt their bottom line, but also because the law um, has special requirements around religious beliefs that are sincerely held. So would you say, I mean, there, there should be some sort of obligation or, or maybe there's a sentiment that there needs to be an obligation to have some sort of equality when it comes to respecting different faiths? Um, you know, as far as, you know, you mentioned may, might be allowing certain religious activities or leaving for certain holidays. I mean, where's sort of that line in terms of, you know, showing this equal sort of uh, treatment and getting away from that, that blinder type mentality that says everyone's just kind of the same and there's no religion involved. I mean, what what, how does that work? Where is that obligation? Like? Well, let let me answer that in two ways. First, the law, which everybody's always concerned about. Sure. Title VII recognizes a lot of different uh, personal identities like race and religion, and it requires um, us not to discriminate. But when it comes to religion, it also requires something extra special. It requires accommodation, provided it doesn't cause the company an undue burden. And mm -hmm. so the company has, has to go a step further. It not only has to not discriminate, 
Uh, it also has to accommodate. And so companies can't necessarily know everything that they need to do or everything, you know, there are proactive steps that they can take and there are policies and practices they can implement, but they also need to implement something that we talk about as respectful curiosity, meaning learning about their employees and what their needs are. Because within any group, within religious diversity as a phenomenon, individuals believe and practice differently and what mm. your employees will need will depend on the individual employee, not on some generalization of what Christians believe in need or Muslims believe in need or Hindus. When we look at this sort of topic, I mean, when, when do problems tend to arise from um, basically on your experience, the organizations you've spoken with, uh, you know, and, and really it could, it, there are two facets in, in my mind. One, it could be between coworkers themselves, whether it be some sort of um, dispute or, or feeling of unfair treatment, or it could be with, with management as we've kind of been focusing on. Uh, when, when do things really arise? And, and is it more often between management and, uh, and an employee, or is it, you know, intertwined with coworkers? Well, it arises with both. And it, it's very hard to measure which would be more. Um, mm -hmm. The data shows that about one in three people discuss their religion at work once a week. That means both employees to employees, employers to employees. If you think about what that means, you could have someone sitting next to you who is pushing, if you will, their religious beliefs and wanting to talk about it. And you may not mm -hmm. want to do that because you're an atheist or a believer in some other way or simply don't want to discuss it in the workplace. And you can have a source of tension there and even harassment at times. So that will cut against the need for good communication and teamwork among employees. With employers, if you have an employer who is pushing or discussing their religion with an employee, there's a power dynamic. Does it affect someone's job if they don't go and join the Bible study group that they're invited to join by their employer? If they object to a prayer being said before a meeting. And so it makes it difficult that way. You know, essentially, employers have to manage for success. And so they need to focus on the policies and the practices. And employees need to master, if you will, good communication and teamwork around these issues. From the management's perspective, then, you know, obviously there's the legal side that is is the major concern. You don't want to obviously um, break any laws in that way. Um, <laughs> but in terms of maybe keeping the environment operating in a, in a quality fashion, especially considering the diversity of, of the group that you probably are working with, what, what what's sort of your take on trying to keep people happy, so to speak, or satisfied <laughs> when it comes to their religion. Well, and I only say that because that's sort of taking the extra step. I have, I have conversations with my manager all the time about the difference between, you know, what, what an employer has to do legally mm -hmm. versus taking that extra step to create a positive culture and that, all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, do you sort of give any suggestions or, or advice in terms of keeping the organization as satisfied as possible when it comes to this area, or do you focus more on the legal side? Where, where, where's the line? Oh, there? no, 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 no. There are a lot of practical solutions and a lot of practical approaches that can be taken. I mean, our research shows that if a company 
affirmatively adopts a policy that addresses um, religious differences and, for example, addresses issues such as flexibility around holidays so people of different traditions can observe as they need to without it being a challenge in the workplace, that kind of policy, the mere existence of that policy improves morale. And we know that when morale tanks, people often are looking for other jobs. And so it's in the company's interest to do that because just to replace one employee can cost 150% of that employee's annual salary. So there are a lot of practices and policies that can be implemented. Um, we talk about three things at Tannenbaum. We talk about policies, looking at the range of policies you have, and making sure you're addressing religion, whether it's from a scheduling perspective, with respect to attire, with respect to um, days off. We have a practice, we think besides policies, you want to address practices. And the practices can include how management um, is held accountable for assuming what we call an accommodation mindset accommodating their employees as much as possible when it doesn't hurt the company. And then we say people, so policies, practices, and people. Working with your employees to build teams and to help them uh, communicate by giving them training about religious differences and about how it plays out in the workplace and why people do some of the things that they do that they may not understand. How about from the, an individual basis, you know, as you mentioned, any employee, you're, you're bringing that with you. It's it's a part of your personality. You know, you may act and think and, and talk in, in certain ways because of your, your religious beliefs or, or you know, atheism or, or any other sort of beliefs you have. Are there things that an individual can do to alleviate any tension or confusion or resentment? I mean, is it best to try to avoid those conversations? I mean, that's typically the advice, but I mean, where do you stand with that? Because obviously you're acknowledging, hey, this is a part of everyone in your workplace at some level. Well, I, So at an individual basis, what do you do? Actually, um, we have uh, a different approach. We, we would never say ignore it. We, we would say adopt uh, you know, quality communications and that would include such things as respectful curiosity. Mm -hmm. Our differences are very interesting. There are ways to be um, respectful and to inquire without looking down on someone or insulting them. You can say to someone, who, a woman who's wearing a hijab, for instance, if you don't know anything about it, would you tell me why every day you cover your head and what that means to you? I, I would love to know. And that's hmm. qualitatively different than saying to someone, what's that thing on your head? Right. And so that, that's what respectful curiosity looks like. And that, that's something that we can all learn to do and encourage. But what we have to do as well when we get an answer from that person is also recognize that that person is speaking for herself. When a woman explains what it means to her, that doesn't mean that that is necessarily the truth for every Muslim woman who covers her head. They may have different reasons for doing that. And so what we don't want to do is turn someone into the spokesperson for their entire tradition. And so um, in be engaging with one another, 
we also have to avoid the spokesperson syndrome and not making undue stereotypes and or generalizations based on what we hear. And finally, I think that there's a, a key element that all of us can bring to the workplace. I think we should be, we must be entitled to believe what we want, what we believe in, and not be told what to believe by our employers. But we also have to behave in a way that is respectful and that respects our differences. So that means in a workplace, and I mean, one of the places where we sometimes see tension is in employee resource groups where you may have sometimes very devout religious groups, sometimes Christian religious groups, that have strongly held beliefs about the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender community. Mm -hmm. And you may have an LGBT employee resource group. You need to make sure that both of them are serving the company's business purposes, and that's why they're established. And you cannot allow um, harassment by one against the other, going in either direction. Sure. And so that's you know the behavior in the company, as opposed to the belief of the individual, which we would never seek to legislate or. Um, direct in any way. And, I, and again, I appreciate your, your openness with a lot of this. And it, as we mentioned at the top, it is it can be a very sensitive subject because of the you know strong emotions that can go into it. And you mentioned the you know, different ideals that different groups might have and how that plays a role. Let's jump a little bit to the positive side of diversity. Um, you know, obviously, this is an aspect of that. Um, you know, you, you look at different things. I saw an article from the University of Berkeley that talked about diversity building strong customer customer base because it mirrors the, the population mm-hmm. as a whole, um, you know, things like that. Um, so there's a strong business side to diversity. Uh, now, obviously, employers can't go out looking and actively asking about religion and faith and that sort of thing. But do you see an organization who has a diverse religious community being maybe having an advantage if it was you know just a group of of you know one type of faith or belief i mean is there an actual advantage to all this diversity even though it sounds like it could be very difficult what's the benefit oh my gosh there are so many benefits um one is and you know i mean the concept of mirroring your customer base only make you know is is relevant when you think about what you get out of that diversity, which is really the question you're asking, and its implications for the company and the bottom line. One is that you can actually get insights into new customer audiences and mm. in ways to market to them. And another is the actual relationships that you may have with your customers or your client base. But a key thing as well is you expand the opportunities for talent for your company. And and that happens in several ways. The more that employer is likely to become an employer of choice, an employer where people um, are more likely to be happy and stay and be retained for talent, but also an employer where people who are talented from a range of backgrounds, are banging on the door to try to get in. And that's what you want. So it's not, it's not only the money, it's also the people that you'll have with you um, helping you to grow. 
Now, as you mentioned, obviously, you know, employers can't seek out in, in a way of you know asking about religious side that sort of thing. But if you're a if you're a candidate going into an interview type setting, um, I mean, is there any benefit at all to mentioning something about faith or religion or you know moral beliefs or any? Is there anything like that that actually would benefit a candidate, or is that still an area where? It needs to be a focus on your skills and performance and, you know, what you bring to the table as, you know, from a religious side of things that will that will come out once you're in the workplace. So where is that line when you're actually looking and trying to get a position? That That's a very interesting question. Um, I, I, I think the, the way I would frame that is what a person does in, in, as a candidate is very personal they should raise it if it's going to be a determining factor in whether they will consider the job. From an mm-hmm. employer's perspective, while I do think employers should be interested in diversity, they also have to hire for talent and for someone who can do the job. Right. And that's why people come, uh, you know, that, that's why you hire someone. But I, you know, I think employers have an obligation to seek out a range of candidates and wide diversity among their candidates and expand their vision of who can be the, you know, the talent for this position. But then once they've done that, they should pick the person who is got the skills for the job. Now, it may be important once offered a job uh, for a candidate to raise issues that are going to be important to him or her in terms of their practice and their ability to be in the position. So, for example, if you have someone, um, say, like a Seventh-day Adventist who needs to observe on a Saturday and is very observant, that might be someone who, when offered the job, might say, I'm here for this job. And I will make sure it gets done, but I need you to know that on Saturdays I observe, so I may not be available on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Uh, or not, if weekend work is never an issue in that company. Sure. So it, it'll depend on what the workplace is like as well. Right. And that's definitely, I mean, you know, obviously we, we're speaking to a, a wide group of individuals, and it's going to come down to that, that personal preference. And as you said, if they're you know, practicing a lot of these different ideas, or, or as you said, maybe it doesn't even have a, a factor or consideration with the position itself. You know, we're getting a little low on time, so there are a couple more things that I still wanted to, to you know, kind of get from you. You, you mentioned a, earlier about having even just a, a plan in place, so to speak, mm-hmm. a policy about religion. Mm-hmm. But are, do you have any other specific suggestions for employers to maybe, maybe it's just little things to help accommodate what, you know, there's going to be diverse, you know, faith and, and as we talk about any sort of type of beliefs that people have, any little suggestions and advice that you can give to maybe help out the employer who does see it as a, as a big factor and they want to make sure they're kind of covering all their bases. Well, sure. Tannenbaum um, often talks about the 10 biased danger signs. And these are really the areas in which companies can look to have policies and good practices. So if you have a policy around dress code and, um, so, and you have a uh, clean-shaven policy and someone comes in as a religious you know, person and says, you know, I've converted to a religion and it requires me to grow a beard, 
I think you need to look at how to accommodate that kind of request. When you Mm -hmm. have a workplace meeting, think about the foods you're offering at the meeting and make sure that the person who is either vegetarian, kosher, or observes halal can eat. Think Because sometimes if you don't take that into consideration, they sit and are very hungry. Um, Look at issues like networks. And look at interfaith calendars so that in your scheduling, you avoid setting your annual board meeting on the Eid or Diwali or Yom Kippur uh, so that everyone who needs to attend can attend. Um, There's a lot of specifics uh, in these policies, but those are a few that they can consider. And I go back again to the concept of policies, practices, and people. Look at your policies, look at the practices, what you expect in terms of accommodation from your managers, hold them accountable and train them how to do it. And with your people, make sure that they're expected to function respectfully in teams and provide them with the communications training so that they understand they don't need to know absolutely everything about every religion, but they can be curious and ask. And what it sounds like to me really is it comes down to essentially just trying to understand and respect ahead of time before something. I mean, I know you guys talk about there are two aspects of it when there is a problem, you help fix it. But then there's also the preventative side. To me, it sounds like if you can get ahead of it, that's the key. So overall, what would you say your take is on the idea of trying to respect religious components in the workplace and and building that inclusive environment versus maybe having some sort of tension? What's just the overall sort of look at this area from Tannenbaum's perspective? Religion is going to show up in your workplace, whether you see it or not, so you might as well see it. There are practical ways to address this phenomenon that will benefit your company. The leading companies are proactive, and when you address religion in your workplace, it is a win, win, win. Well, Joyce, thanks a lot for giving us some perspective in, in this area of faith and religion. Um, obviously, as we've mentioned a couple of times, it can be a very sensitive situation, sensitive area to navigate. But, um, you know, in the workplace, especially, you talked about having the respect and, and um, acknowledging it being a big portion of that. Uh, where can listeners find out more about your organization and what you guys do? Tannenbaum is on the web is www.tannenbaum, T-A-N-E-N-B-A-U-M dot org. Uh, or you can give me a call at 212-967-7707 and I'll be happy to speak with you. All right, great. Well, thanks again, Joyce. We definitely appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much. And that is our guest, Joyce Dubensky, CEO of the Tannenbaum Center for Interreligious Understanding in New York. And that'll do it for us here on Life Versus Work. Please feel free to send us an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com with any comments or suggestions for any of our shows here on localjobnetwork.com radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.